0: So for like a philosophy or an ideology, I strongly identify with Austro-libertarianism. And the reason is because I feel like libertarianism doesn't do enough. I don't like to call myself an anarchist to regular old people because they assume Antifa, Molotov throwing, baseball bat wielding, or, you know, bike lock wielding or
1: whatever it is. And then I got... A little libertarian about the situation. If you if you follow my drift and started talking mm-hmm. about the necessity of property rights, she's like, "But I thought you were an anarchist."
0: Yeah. Came up with it. I think it might have been Toad who called me that. Whenever my first account got banned, and he posted a screenshot of like my profile not loading, and he said, "Nicarus Ashley, you couldn't keep away from the sun or something like that." I'm like that's that's it right there. It's perfect. The first real like incredible outrage and ruckus cause. what I caused. Mean, That's one of me as being a pitch. The joke about flying too close to the sun is I'm always like doing really, really borderline shit that could that could be probably close to banable if I got enough reports.
1: Welcome to the show. I am your host, L.B. Moniz, and this is the Binawake Podcast for Better sense making. My conversation with Nick Ashley. I like to say at the beginning of these things that a good conversation is like jazz. And so a good conversationalist is like a jazz mu- musician. Sometimes in jazz... It works to play a really loud, obnoxious note that you wouldn't think fits in the song. Kind of like in the middle of a solo. I think that's kind of what Nick does. He, he's a creature of Twitter, right? A really nice guy to boot. And yet, if you were to pay attention to his detractors, you would think he's the worst kind of person. Just a heads up, before we get too much farther, there will be cursing in this episode. Sometimes I censor it, I'm not going to even try on this one. But we had a really interesting discussion that kind of uh, centered around different uh, engagements that he's had on Twitter and what he sees as differences in the liberty space. As I always like to say, thanks Nick for coming on the show, I do really appreciate it. I look forward to continuing a conversation. And ironically, as I'm getting ready to post this episode, it would appear he's been suspended again. So, hopefully, hopefully he comes back under the same Twitter. If not, I will, uh, I'll link to it. You can find his stuff at individualistpodcast.com. I won't give a Twitter handle because, uh, like I said, it would appear that he's, it would appear that he's gotten the boot. So we talk about censorship as well and what Twitter chooses to censor people for. I don't know. It was a good talk. Him and I use social media in a very different way. We have different missions, but we can still be friends. And I'd like to think we get a picture of the dude behind the edgy tweets. So without further ado, let's get into it. Warning. The following broadcast is not approved by your teacher, university, politician, or government. Side effects may include skepticism, play YouTube, play better reasoning skills, yeah, I it's of liberty, I to go and peace, it. Oh, okay. about that. and an no, escape it's all right. from the woke. So, Nick, I like to say, a little bit out of laziness, but mostly because I'm, I'm interested in this idea of identity and how people themselves identify I always like to start these interviews with a question what schools of thought do you associate with or how do you how do you generally identify as it comes to ideas and then also in your personal life so
0: for like a philosophy or an ideology I strongly identify with Austro-libertarianism and the reason is because I feel like libertarianism doesn't do enough because there are economists in libertarianism who are in the Chicago school like Milton Friedman, but they get a lot of stuff wrong. Uh, And the Austrian school, in my opinion, gets pretty much everything correct. And they're the only ones to understand things like interest rates and prices. So I'm a libertarian. And the reason I became like a really hardcore Rothbardian-style libertarian, anarcho-capitalist, or whatever you would call it, right-wing market anarchist, is because I found the Austrian school, found the Mises Institute, and found the work of all the greats who are in that Austrian school of economics. Uh, so Austro libertarian is my go-to, but if I'm just speaking to somebody who doesn't know what even the Austrian school is, I'd probably just say libertarian. I don't like to call myself an anarchist to regular old people because they assume Antifa Molotov throwing baseball bat wielding, or, you know, bike lock wielding or whatever it is.
1: Uh, mm-hmm, absolutely. Thugs. yeah, I have, I have similar thoughts about the anarchist label. Um, and I've, you know, I've, I've managed to s- maintain some skepticism about the entire situation and in many respects i'm i'm more i always say i'm like a more directional than i am destinational so i'm less interested in the question of anarchy minarchy per se and more interested in the more interested in how do you orientate the conversation to move in that direction but i even but i've i've tried it at different times and it just it, it it either it either falls flat on its face or like you said people associate you with the the left-wing anarchists and specifically the antifa people because i think i remembered pulling that out and some and some like tinder date and then the person started asking me what i thought about black lives matter and then i got a little libertarian about the situation if you if you follow my drift and started talking mm-hmm. about the necessity of property rights and she's like but i thought you were an anarchist yeah <laughs> i said i guess not that anarchist the The same thing happens
0: with calling yourself a libertarian, because there's so people that mean that word means so many different things to so many different people. Uh, so, like that could be anywhere from Gary Johnson is technically considered a libertarian, but then you can go all the way to like a Lou Rockwell or a Murray Rothbard, who. You know, some people also don't even consider to be libertarians because they're, you know, a right-wing anarchist because they believe in property rights and self-ownership and individualism. And there's left-wing, like left libertarians or left-wing anarchists who don't believe in those things. Um, So even calling yourself a libertarian, you could be stepping on a mine uh, because it means
1: so many things to different people. Everybody gets it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what is it? So what does it mean to you? And I, I can give my answer too, but I'm curious what it means to you and what do you think it means to people? Because we'll get into some of the, we'll get into some of the beefs that have happened recently and maybe some of the and some of the silliness that, and I do use that mean in technical, in a technical sense, the silliness that occurs on a place like Twitter. Um, but what do you, what do you see as the difference in interpretation uh, cause I'm, I don't know if you've heard me talk about this, but I do think paradox, I do think identity is something of a paradox. And I think that's what, and I think in the political sphere, especially we have to grapple with that because effectively, effectively, you can latch onto certain ideas that can be considered. You can latch onto certain portions of an idea that can be considered one thing and somebody else can latch onto a completely different set of ideas with some crossover and still be considered that same thing. Right. And I think about this a lot because this this exists in multiple layers across multiple ideas. So so I guess so the first question is, what do you see as that difference in interpretation or where do you where do you where do you kind of place it for, as coming from?
0: You mean where, why people get it, why some people have different definitions of what it is?
1: Well, do you think, I guess I guess for starters, do you think people have different definitions or do you think some people are wrong and some people are right? Um, I think they're. I think kind of both. I think
0: some people are wrong about it. Uh, and I think that some people are right about it. But I also think that there are different definitions that are also uh, kind of right. Because to what libertarianism is to me is, you know, if it's consistent with the principle of self ownership um, and to a degree, to a degree, the non aggression principle, which is imperfect, it's kind of a guideline, as I refer to it as, a, you know, not really like the hard and fast. Non aggression that doesn't account for everything, but if it's consistent with generally speaking, so well, not generally speaking, self ownership that's like steadfast written in stone. Um, but and generally speaking, the non aggression principle, then I consider it to be uh, consistent with libertarianism. So that can be there are some things that we wouldn't consider to be like we would consider something like socialism, like mutual aid, or uh, or you know, a collectively owned piece of land that's voluntarily collectively owned, that's perfectly consistent with libertarianism. And I think somebody who's principled and good on things like uh, I always refer to Emma Goldman, who's this far left anarchist as you could probably get, uh, she's still consistent with self-ownership and her, her, view, her, her worldview is consistent with that uh, because she also recognizes the fact that she can't impose her will uh, for a voluntary collective society on somebody who wants to go live in a voluntary individualist society with property rights. Uh, So she, she may not hold self-ownership as like a a core ideal because you kind of have to not as a person who wants a collectivist society, but it's more consistent with the principle of self-ownership than like your typical ANCAP would have you believe
1: just for the simple fact that she recognizes things have to be voluntary. And that's, that's close, you know, well, that's huge, right? That's so much of what we try to discuss in the broader liberty sphere. And, and the idea of liberty or freedom as, as, a, high, as a political principle is something that you value for society in and of itself. Um, I think it, there has been, uh, you know, and obviously Michael Malice is the one who's done this, but the yeoman's work of really reconciling what might be perceived as an insurmountable left-right divide in this regard to highlight the fact that writers in history who broadly fall within similar patterns of thought, as it were, I do have something worth saying. And there is, um, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people will talk about the different institutions and how, and you know, whether they're more, whether they're more closely aligned to the DC beltway or having more of an independent streak to them, what, what, have you, I think that was one of the bigger divides within I guess within commentators and people within, the sp- people, people within the broader space, but it seems to have become ahead. It seems to have come ahead over the last, I don't know, year or so, or maybe it's just pay- me paying closer attention to it. Um, but there's this difference, right? And there's this difference between somebody writing 100 years ago and whether they choose to label themselves as a socialist or a collectivist and somebody today. And there is a certain element that I've noticed. And well, you know, the fact that libertarian socialism isn't considered an oxymoron. And I don't, I don't know that I would consider mutual aid socialistic. I mean, in a very, in a very useless way, I think socialism and mutual aid are are, are terms that are tied together. Does that make sense? Mean, yeah, I think I yeah, think I know what just, you mean. Just, well, just just from the standpoint of that, I think socialism by its nature requires the force. Sure. Behind right. it, and it requires specifically today. I mean, you generally have uh, effectively just democratic socialists who have any sort of real uh, political power. And even the hardcore socialists are willing to use the democratic framework to do it. So I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's Um, in some, obviously in some conversations, you can't really get around it, but I think it's useful in general to stay away from using the word socialist. I don't know. You've think, been, um, I, yeah, you probably are probably right. <laughs> so your, your Twitter profile, which still exists right now, says that you flew a little too close to the sun. That's You're, correct. Um, I, I I think, I think Nicarus might, should stick if it hasn't already.
0: Uh <laughs> everyone, as, I don't remember who first came up with, it. I think it might've been Toad who called me that whenever my first account got banned and he posted a screenshot of like my profile, not loading. And he said,
1: Nicarus Ashley, you couldn't
0: keep away from the sun or something like that. I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's it right there. It's perfect.
1: Well, and so that's, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of myth and I'm a fan of story. And so that's the, of course the story of Icarus, who was what was it? He was trapped in a tower, and he was supposed yeah. to build. Do, do you know the whole story? Uh,
0: Daedalus and Icarus. It was yeah. Daedalus
1: was his father,
0: and Icarus. They were trapped in some tower prison on like on an island, mm-hmm. and uh, they were using feather blankets and feather pillows and candle wax or something like that to build wings to fly away. And uh, Icarus flew too high, despite his father warning him. He flew too high, and you know exposed himself to too much sunlight or got too close to the sun, which really I mean, it's kind What's of a, a it's it's a metaphor for taking precautions and being careful. Right. But mm-hmm. you can't literally fly too close to the sun. But the point is, yeah, he flew too high and the sunlight melted his wings and he fell and drowned in the lake or the ocean or whatever they were over. So that's what you've done recently. Well, actually, uh, I uh, my first account, technically, I'm on my third right now. I don't really count the second one because I screwed up. You have to be tactful, like, and careful how you come back to Twitter, uh, because they'll get you for ban evasion if you're not too subtle about it. And I was not subtle enough. Um, but so I'll explain the the traje- like, the timeline. The first one, uh, the first real like incredible outrage and ruckus I caused was whenever I referred to, I told Ricky Dale Harrington, who is an LP Arkansas gubernatorial candidate. Uh, for 2022, I think I told him he was being a bitch and that exploded. I had a lot of people angry at me and this one person kept on picking at me, like in quote tweeting, he was this, I don't know if it's a guy or a girl, it's, it's an anonymous account, uh, kept quote tweeting stuff from my timeline, just unrelated to what, you know, just kept on picking at me. And eventually I started arguing with them in the, in the replies, and I let, a, I let loose a string of curse words that included bitch and cunt. And Twitter, the Twitter algorithm thought it was a gendered attack, like a sexist attack. And the algorithm got me immediately, right when I clicked send, boom, gone <laughs> permanently. Um, so then I came back a couple of days later and changed my name back to my original Twitter name, screen name, not the at, the screen mm-hmm. name, Nick okay. Ashley. Uh, I changed it back to that within a couple of days and then immediately got uh, nuked again. So when I came back for the third time, I did the right thing and I like laid low for a couple of weeks. Uh, really didn't didn't post a lot, just retweeted my friend's content and stuff. And every now and then I would post whatever, you know, if I had an episode of my show or something. Um, but then now that it's been a few weeks, i am come back out and I'm, I'm almost back where I was before. I'm at, I'm at just under 1600 followers. And I was at just under 1800 when I, when I was, when I was nuked the first time, but the joke about flying too close to the sun is I'm always like doing really, really borderline shit. That could, that could be probably close to bannable if I got enough reports.
1: Yeah, that's, I think that's putting it mildly. We use, you and I use social media in very different ways, which is yes, interesting, we <laughs> but, but we've, you know, we have a good rapport. This is the third time we're talking. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting conversation. And frankly, most of the stuff you post makes me laugh. Um, thank you. <laughs> do you think, no, right. I, I, but do you think people, is it just that people take you seriously?
0: I don't, what do you, you mean? have to, you have
1: to think about this, right? when people really start to react to something that you kind of thought was just being, just being, are you in a playful mind when you post stuff like this? Are you trying to, because you're not trying to do, do anything, right? You, usually oh, what oh, does go big?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It depends on what it is. Like sometimes something will pop into my head, like some just stupid thought that I had, which happens to everybody, but I had just posted on Twitter in a tweet friendly form. Sometimes it gets big sometimes it doesn't uh recently I was arguing with agorists so I tweeted that somebody had said something about Ted Kaczynski and another I saw another argument thread about agorism and I just tweeted out actually Ted Kaczynski is not an agorist he lives off the state in prison so that was completely a couple of people took it seriously I think most people were just like oh no agorism defeated like they knew what I was doing They know I was just busting balls um uh, I did another one that was George Floyd actually did violate the NAP, uh, counterfeit is theft. So th- that was, that was one where some people took it kind of seriously. One person replied, actually taxation is theft. And I was like, huh, I never considered this, <laughs> you know? Um, but other than that, like uh, sometimes I'll have one that I want to go wide. Cause I think it's really funny. Like I did Thomas, you know, Thomas Sowell, the economist, I mm-hmm. just took his head and like poorly Photoshopped it onto a bodybuilder. And yes. I called it Thomas Swole. And it, it, it got like 400 something likes I, I knew it was going to get big, but not that big. That's, that's really big for my standards.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, no, it's huge for mine. I, um, so it, so it's basically just that something amuses you and you decide to share it with the world.
0: Yeah. I, I learned early on that. I'm not, I'm not ACE like mm-hmm. everybody who's, everybody knows ACE. He's really good at arguing on Twitter. I'm decent at arguing on Twitter, but it's just, it takes too much time. And, yeah. and I can't, I can't keep my patience. um, and stay on target, like stay, you know what I mean? He's really good at doing that. I'm not.
1: Yeah, um, no, me, me either. Yeah. So, I, so, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was going to say, because I really use, I I need to get, I need to be better about, I guess, being present on some of these platforms, because it's a way that you can grow your following and bringing people to your page. But I, but I certainly, I just find I, I, it's a utility question for me. And I used to be somebody that would argue and argue incessantly on Facebook. And on on Twitter to a lesser extent. And now I find I just don't have a taste for it. There are moments like I'll do, if if I get involved in anything and I, you know, granted, this will probably change if if my stuff starts to get more traction. But in that I engage with anything, I usually have like a three or four engagement maximum. And then, and then I'm generally, if I'm, you know, messing with somebody or I'm trying to attempt to dunk or uh, achieving a dunk or something like that. I'll then still, I'll then like be like really, really nice and be like, Oh, Hey, thanks for engaging by the way. Like super cool of you to like, hang out with me for a bit. Or when somebody disagrees, like there was this, there's, there's a few accounts where it's like bad libertarian takes and oh god they, they yeah. I don't know who these people are, but I always try to, I'm like, Hey, come on my show. Tell me where I'm wrong. Yeah. That was a fun <laughs> one. Cause when they, they, I, I, when they tweeted, somebody was like inquiry before dogma eye roll. Cause that's what I have in my profile. It's like, well, I mean, maybe check out anything that I've done and you'd actually understand what I mean by that. And there's, I think that's, that's baked into the cake of, of Twitter. And it's always funny how I, how I see people interacting where it's like, well, why are we, is it just that somebody gets to you? Is it that you don't bother to click through to see how many followers they are? It's an interesting, I don't know. It's an interesting question of like how we interact and exchange ideas.
0: Yeah, I kind of swore off Twitter arguments after I stayed up until like three in the morning on a work night arguing with people about nukes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was like, I'm never doing this again. And after that, and then like one day I argued with somebody all day about like gun ownership, a European about gun ownership, uh, and I was like, after that one, you just feel exo- Like I, my eyes are tired, and I'm just like, it feel, you just feel drained. Yeah. But after the after the nuke argument that lasted until w- late into the night, I was like, fuck this. I'm I'm sorry if I can't swear. I'm sorry. You're good. Uh, we're
1: we're well past that.
0: Um, I you know I I was. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that ever again. I can't, I can't, I can't get caught up in these.
1: And yet now it seems, do you think that your account is one that's maybe targeted more now? Cause you just did, you just did read show, right? After you were kind of blowing up about some other tweets, some other memes.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I don't know. I think that there are probably some, there are some people that I know for a fact uh, are throwing around screenshots of my, of of me, that they don't like, you know, in their own or talking crap on me in their group chats and whether it be Facebook or Twitter, I've got every I've got connections everywhere. When I get word that somebody's talking trash and it's the normal, it's the usual suspects that that don't like my me and my ilk. Um so I a lot of people, a lot of those people that just block you, though, like like I don't want to say any names, but the, the typical loser brigade people, most of them have already blocked me. A lot of them block me, and I haven't even engaged with them. Uh, they just know who I am. So they're like, F that. So some of them, like I made a, <laughs> I made a meme today, and it was really bad. It was just not good at all. But it it went pretty big, and this is how badly Nick Sarwark is hated. And this other guy who uh, I'll say his name is the guy that runs the Fakertarians account and podcast. His name Mm. is John, John Hudak. So it was just the Sarwark's profile picture where he's like standing there with his arms crossed, looking all like cool. (laughs) Yeah. And I just took a picture of Hudak and put it in the corner. And it just, the caption is don't ever talk to me or my wife's son ever again. (laughs) People, people, the meme is so bad, but people hate Wars so much that they like, they like it a lot. Uh, and then the other thing I did to start work is very recently I w- I took a picture of, of myself with my dog in, in, uh, in bed. And, uh, I don't remember, I don't even know why I thought of this. Like this was some this was my idea. I didn't create the picture that I'm about to explain.
1: <laughs> I know the picture, but go on. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I asked somebody, so in the, I'm in a, I'm in a few group chats and one of them, I asked, Hey, take this picture. And then I took the picture of Nick Starwark where he's laying in his bed. It's a black and white picture, just after he got his uh, his his COVID shot, and he's got the bandaid on his arm, and he's smiling all awkwardly, no shirt on. I said, "Can one of oh, y'all photos? It's so
1: weird. It's such a such a weird picture. Yeah, there uh, is still something that I don't know. <laughs> I I don't care if you think I subscribe to old I, old notions, but there was like, there's something about like a." like your picture with your dog is, is, is different because your dog's in it. So it's kind of funny, but just that like I'm a dude and I'm going to seriously take a picture in my bed with my shirt off self.
0: Yeah. Shirtless,
1: like a selfie. And as a, and, 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 you know, frankly, as a and he's, and he's married, he's as a straight dude, it's just weird. It's weird mm-hmm. to me. Maybe, maybe I don't like my body that much. That's completely <laughs> fair. Listen, I not saying that I haven't taken pictures like that, but God help me if they've ever gone anywhere on social media before it's there's like these weird things that people do like that, that I'm like, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't quite get you <laughs> as a person. I don't think <laughs> I get, I understand that completely. Uh, and, and so I
0: took the both pictures, sent them in the group chat. I said, somebody make it where I look like I'm holding sarwark and sh- sure enough, man, somebody made it right away. And I, i it, it's kind of died down because, uh, he, he hasn't been doing as much stupid shit lately but um the best one like the best one that i did i I, I didn't even explain what i did i jumped the gun there Mm -hmm. i've been posting it in replies in 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 replies uh and it ratios him almost every time yeah uh normally it's coupled with like a cute little hey there honey like something something silly like that uh the best one in my opinion i think the best received one I don't think it was the best. I don't think it was the best ratio, Uh, but he had said he had made some tweet. I don't remember even what it was,
1: but I replied, I can't wait till we meet in person. And that's right. I totally forgot you were the, yes, please talk about it. Like, this is, this is the kind of stuff that when I see this happening, um, I really, well, frankly, I question a lot of what I question a lot of what is happening in this broader space of people, right? Like, to what extent is this liberty sphere something that has legs? To what extent is this something that can exist as a force? Forget what kind <laughs> of force, but forget what kind of force you want it to be, right? Whether that means political elections or whether that means a strict, uh, you know, non-political solution, something that the agorist would account for. When there's this force of people who are all trying to do something good. And I think, you know, with, with, the, with the types of, even with these stupid engagements, it's all meant in good fun. It's meant to be entertaining. Um, you know, with the type of with the type of content that I try to write and produce, it's meant to be uplifting and building people. And then there are dudes who will respond and say something like, "Go ahead." Well, well no, no, no. There's
0: two separate incidents. You're kind of getting mixed up. The no, the fair. one I'm you no know, no the one I'm talking about is I'll tell I'll talk about that for sure too because it, it was so big for a couple of days. Uh, but what I'm talking about is I don't remember what Star Wars tweeted, but I just replied to him. I can't wait to meet you in person. And then he replied, "Why?" I think he thought I was going to threaten him. And so he would have something to run back to the authorities with to get me, you know, to get me in trouble. Yeah. Uh, and I just replied with the picture and the tweet was to fulfill my lifelong fantasy. And it was just everyone went insane about it. You know, people love that shit. Um, and because everyone knew exactly like I even went back to the group chat. I was like, what do I do? And they were like, just use the picture. And I was like, oh, shit, that's perfect. It's a great idea. Did it and it it was it was great. So, the other one that can't wait to meet in person, kind of deal. So, some this bit I have to go back a bit because somebody was in an argument with Pete Kenyones, um, and he had made because he made a tweet in an in a thread that was like single moms to get mo. Like he was just talking crap on somebody. Yeah. Uh, And there was a big argument thread, and uh, somebody in the thread just randomly. Posted a picture with the, the tweet was nice pronouns dork, and it was a picture of like somebody hanging from a tree and mm-hmm. a translucent overlay of the transgender flag, the pink blue and white flag, and it said was slash were. Which those aren't even. I, it took me a minute, but those aren't even pronouns. Those are right. Those are past tense verbs. But the joke was like, yeah, you know, yeah, the what, person's in the past yeah. tense. Yeah, correct. Um. And people got angry, angry, angry at that. And this one person in particular, who I've been referring to as number four, uh, because she has short blonde hair like number four from the codename Kids Next Door. Love that Um, show. (laughs) So she uh, she took a screenshot of all the people that liked the tweet with the offending image, at the time at least, and um, just put a thread tagging a bunch of people of like a bunch of her people saying like, look at who liked this picture. And so her account is private. So I got, somebody sent screenshots of what happened in our, in one of our chats. And I just posted a screenshot with it. And I said, Hey, and I tagged her. I think you're the one in the picture and you're mad about it. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Which was purposely, that was purposely inflammatory. Okay. And then that started with, you know, that started crap with all the people we would consider to be the loser but great not all of them but all of the people that were angry at me were them um and then eventually this one dude was going insane and i just quote tweeted one of his angry tweets with like wow this is how upset they're getting now imagine whenever we meet in person and what i meant by that was like imagine how upset they're going to be when i when i look at them and tell them they're stupid as opposed to doing it online kind of deal um hmm. And he replied with a quote tweet of his own. And that said, I build 900 pound gazebos by myself. You look like you weigh 40 pounds. Your threats mean nothing to me. (laughs) Yep. And that became like the gazebo meme started right then and there. I quoted that again with new copy files that just dropped, which it didn't really go as a pasta, but. Everybody was talking about doing gazebos. They're still talking about it now, which now I'm kind of sick of it.
1: Yeah, it ha- it's had a long life. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I don't LP
0: state LP accounts were tweeting about. Were, I I call it gazebo posting. Like state LP yeah. state LP accounts, or gazebo posting. It's it's been <laughs> hilarious.
1: There is um, I think it's. So my pinned tweet right now is that Twitter is constant in-group signaling that the out-group sees, mm-hmm. right? And what's fast, I think the fascinating element to me is I think you understand that intuitively or explicitly, right? I don't think it's a particular, like, and I think you do that with your content and other people in this space, in the space who are developing content are aware of that as well. What I don't understand is the degree to which or, or rather, what I don't know, what I can't know, is the degree to which these other actors who kind of operate within the same sphere, which we you know we're talking about a small fricking pond, if we really put it in, into perspective. Mm-hmm. But they seem to not understand the joke, right? And and it, this this is the evangelicalness of the left wing paradigm, right? It's the tot- It's the way in which the left wing mindset per se sort of subsumes any other idea, any other part of the ideology that you have, right? You can look at, you know, the progressive Democrats is completely subsuming the liberal Democrats in the 20th century. And same thing on the right, we call them neocons for the Republicans. Yeah, but so and we have this complete thing where it's like it didn't the the liberalism didn't matter, right? The constitutionalism didn't actually matter. The leftism seemed seemed to matter. And I think that is the greatest case. For the more Austro-libertarian interpretation of um, of liberty, if if that makes sense, because there is um, there's a, because of the rea- if if for nothing else than the reactionary element, because what we basically seem what 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 my perception is is that people don't understand the the jovial nature in which most of this is intended, and moreover, they're more interested in signaling points for effectively the established order which if we're operating as libertarians in this liberty space where we say that the current order the current political order the current social order is not orientated to liberty why would we why would we team up with people who aren't orientated in the correct direction does mm-hmm. that make sense and what so I, what i what i what i wonder is whether they just convince themselves that what that the like, you know, like, like Pete and Pete's fantastic and I have nothing ill to say against him. And if he wants to spend his time antagonizing people, I really don't see a problem with it. That's his mm-hmm. choice. But how do you not understand that then if you're going to be deal like if I'm going to be dealing with Pete and I'm going to go up against him or I'm going to take a disagreement to one of his positions, which I'm not saying I'm doing in this instance, I, I, I know that that's kind of part of the part of the game you know, I know that he might, he might not actually address my arguments. He might just make fun of something I say or make fun of something else. And I guess there's, I don't know if it's a cluelessness or if it is just a question of that sanctimony where the, the, the religious fervor of it means that they don't see the obvious irony to, uh, to their actions. Well, some
0: of it is also the way I look at it with, with Pete's a good example of this, because he talks about this specifically, uh, not, not necessarily where he'll, not necessarily the online interactions, but I think the way he carries himself through his ideology, it's like it's there. He created his own creation myth kind of deal. Like he is going to dismiss you because it's like he, he specifically refers to the declaration of independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That's it. They're saying, that's it. I don't have to argue with you. This is right. And that's that. So what I think for Pete, I, I don't want to put words in his mouth or assume his thoughts or anything like that. Uh, But I would think that the reason he does that kind of thing is because he has no interest in discussing with somebody uh, his his rights uh, you know, in such a in such a way that he can't, you you know, do you understand what I'm getting at here? I don't know how to
1: word it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, his um, and I wouldn't pretend to be somebody who knows his thoughts super well, but the general idea of what you're pulling out is my rights are not up for debate. Who I am, how I choose to live my life is not up for debate. And. There's this I, what I would maybe say is this extra element of saying, well, and you're not worth my time anymore. True. If you That's if you right. ever were, and I think it's that last part that a lot of the rest of us are kind of caught in the lurch, especially people, for example, who are attempting to do some kind of political organizing in in real time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know, and I don't know what the I don't know what the solutions are, and I'd like to think that people getting together in person is the solution, but then. We've seen in we've seen an elements like that where people will go on different shows and then nothing ever really seems to come of it. But there's also this sorry to keep going, but there's also this element of anger. And I kind of I witnessed this in person recently visiting, um, you know, I'm visiting different people in my family and there was just this um, and I was kind of exposed back to that more Fox News, right, you know, corporate conservative right wing anger. And not, this isn't to be denigrating to anybody. This is just, this is just, it's a very real thing. And it exists, it exists equally on the MSNBC, CNN watching crowd. And it is this thing where it's like, there's the two buttons and one says getting pissed off. And then the other is like doing something and everyone just wants to keep getting pissed off. Mm -hmm. And there are those moments where I just had a bad day in my real life. So I'm just going to go beef with somebody on Twitter. I know that that's happened to people. I know that that because people have come to me privately in the past and said like, oh, sorry, I was in a bad mood. That's why I was being an asshole in that moment. And we all have those. But then we're also supposed to be organizing. We're supposed to be advancing this cause that we call liberty. And there's this um, I don't I, it's, it's one of those weird things where it's like, where is the actual separation here and where is the real stuff happening? And a lot of people would say, well, it's happening inside of the LP. I don't think that's the case anymore. I don't think we live in that kind of world necessarily where the movers and shakers are within these political organizations. They're far, they're much more in this like podcasting space, in the people trying to develop some kind of culture, in the shit posting and the memeing and all that stuff. That's actually where things are being made. And I don't, what I, what I don't understand is why people aren't willing to be more accepting of that, of taking slight offense. Do you have any? Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I, I don't know if I know your question. Uh, why? why? <laughs> no, just um, sorry. It's this. It's this idea of, um, like I think it's. I think it's. I was thinking recently about seeing a meme years ago on Facebook, and it was a very simple one. And it was, uh, 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 it was four words: being offended is bullshit. Okay. And that was very. That was very. That was a very empowering thought to me. And of course we have this, we have this victim mentality. We have this victim ideology that runs rampant. And it is frankly has almost its own morality at this point where we kind of invert the idea of an honor culture. And so the the weakest person is by definition, the one with the most status, or at least that's the, that's what the perception is supposed to be. And inherent in the weakest person having the most status is this revulsion to any kind of offense and Mm. not offense in, and not offense in the way of, a- and offense in a very lighthearted and jovial way, like the context for all these, for all this matters. And it seems like there, there are those of us who understand that offensiveness can be funny and kind of use that as a currency to say, well, you know, if you can, if you can bust my balls for something that I can bust yours for something, we can joke around on a show like, like tower, um, like, like tower power hour. And we can then, and we can also, and then we can talk seriously on a show like this, where we can talk about origins and schools of thought and why things are happening. And I don't see the, I I don't I guess I I guess I wonder what whether the how these people would respond to that and I think someone like a Sarwak would say well you know humor has a time and a place mm-hmm. but there but if we are trying to do something of importance and we're trying to get a message out there we were we will alienate people by saying the wrong thing I don't uh, think that's I don't think that's true I don't think so either and the
0: thing about it is what we're <clears throat> as a libertarian you're kind of inherently like you're just anti-establishment i mean there's no other way around it mm-hmm. so why i don't understand i think part of why people what you to, to address your your first point about people just being so averse to people or people being so offended by things and i don't mean that in like the you know the 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 right wing kind of like crowd are like oh you snowflake i know i know we you you and i know we don't mean that but right. just I I think that's a testament to the pervasiveness of leftism and and progressivism. Like Mm -hmm. it it all has to be acceptable for everybody. It's just an egalitarian crock of shit. You know what I mean? Egalitarian delusion is the term I've been using. Egalitarian delusion. That's perfect. That's what Mm -hmm. it is. If it's not okay for somebody, then it's not okay for anybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, kind of deal so that's that and i I don't really know like there's probably something much somebody who's smarter than me or as well more well versed in like the ideas of leftism could probably parse it better than i can but i just think that's a testament to the pervasiveness uh of of leftism and progressivism um and how powerful their that's their religion like how powerful egalitarian progressivism really is as a force Mm -hmm. you know yeah um and and the point you made about Sarwark about not wanting to quote unquote alienate people it, it doesn't even seem like he's worried about that so much as he's worried about being respected by the establishment which is not what a libertarian should ever strive to be because regardless of what you do if you are coming at them with ideas that are outside of their accepted you know Overton window which even Sarwark is even he is you know, not going to be in the overton window of a of a CNN or a Fox News anchor. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I disagree with him on almost everything, probably like for the most part. And he's he's definitely not nearly the libertarian I wish he was. Um, but why would you want to be respected by somebody who'd never respect you unless you became them anyway? You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not you're not going to get respect from these people unless you're one of them, and you don't want to be one of them. That's the point of being a libertarian, or part of it at least.
1: Well, I think that's the interesting thing, and I want to, I want, I want to parlay this into the conversation of how you came to these ideas originally. But let me, but let's dwell on something that you were pointing out there that I think, that I think deserves a little more airing because so many of us take it for granted in, we take it for granted in our arguments and the way that we approach the situation, which is libertarianism as an anti-establishment, um, uh, movement or set of ideas.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think the conversation in 2012 was different than it was in 2016 and certainly different than it was in 2021 the degree to which that statement was rang true i think in 2016 after the election of donald trump if you weren't reexamining all of your previously held political notions and concepts you were doing yourself a disservice and if you think you're somebody and if you're somebody who thinks of themselves as any kind of expresser of ideas and thoughts in any sort of creative manner, then you should have done this. And I think a lot of people did, but maybe not as actively as, as as they should have. One thing that to me became clearer after the election of Donald Trump was the degree to which libertarianism also needs to incorporate a critique of corporate power.
0: Hell yes. And corporate,
1: corporate power. And that was And given, you know, the context of like the Koch brothers and their hold and their, you know, their influence over the broader libertarian sphere, it was a component, right? It was still there. It's not like nobody was talking about big corporations, but there was this, there was this sense at least, you know, a decade ago, two decades ago, I would, I would argue more so, but I can't speak directly to it of, yeah, you know, the corporations, there's some issues there, but at the end of the day, they're just going to sell us a product. At the end of the day, they're not going to, they're not going to step over a line. And that, and I think after 2016, we've seen the direction in which this has changed. And I think, and we'll see if I can, we'll see if I can get this done in my last couple of days here down in Florida. But I think if we were to examine, let's say, Murray Rothbard's criterion for what constitutes a state, uh, you know, in that I remember them, we see a lot of those same things re- representing themselves in institutions like Facebook, like Google. Like Twitter, like Zoom that we're using right now to record this conversation, and so it, it it again it reinforces this point that corporate critique is absolutely necessary in this world because because of that um how what's the word uh, not Paris uh Paris, symbiotic there we go I was gonna say mm-hmm. parasitic but it's the symbiotic relationship between the largesse of a centralized state and the largesse of major corporations who benefit from, you know, the financial order, the monetary order, the social order, the, fu- you know, the, 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 warfare order, the medical industrial complex, and what, where, where I see somebody like a Sarwak fit into that picture is missing that memo yeah. of not seeing, uh, of not seeing the way that the tide has shifted. And a second point, company, bro yeah and a second point right yeah but it's a private company they can do what they want precisely mm-hmm. that's precisely the thing we're working against at the moment you know there was this huge consternation about using the word censorship to, to yeah. talk about private companies because only a government can perform censorship it's like well i think a better understanding would be to say that the government was the only institution in society capable of performing censorship in the past now we have these other companies that are able to do so mm-hmm. and I certainly see that as a huge divide as well, as the people who are unwilling to, unwilling to ex, uh, unwilling to push forward the idea that we are anti-establishment and that if we were to gain power, we would upend the apple cart almost, almost, almost by definition, even if even if the new apple cart would be a lot better.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. The whole the whole notion of the private company and it can do what they want that doesn't even like I it's i have no time for this like in fact you probably saw me pulling out my phone and stuff the reason i did that is because i wanted to pull up this headline that struck me the other day from forbes uh it's public private disease surveillance partnerships are what's needed to stop the next pandemic that's the headline from forbes they're literally advocating for fascism that's like definitionally fascism public private Mm -hmm. disease surveillance so and and what you just said about the government being able to censor people that was pretty much the way it was um by unpersoning people, they would throw them in a cage or whatever or, or, or kill them. You know, that would that was unpersoning somebody. Now you get taken off of all the platforms. Um, and the reason I point out this specific headline is that the whole notion that this is a misconception of libertarianism, that if libertarians like had their way, then corporations would just control the world instead of the government. Corporations control the world right now, you know. The, the literally yeah, the, the reason the reason the war machine rages on is because of the government contracts that they've got. Uh, the, the the reason that private defense contractors are quote unquote arms manufacturers, uh, I say quote unquote private. I should have said that, um, like Lockheed Martin and Northwick mm-hmm. Brumman and Raytheon, they've got the gravy train rolling. So they have a vested interest in keeping the you know beating those war drums because the government wants to keep buying the missiles and planes and shit that they're creating, um, and. Th- you know that 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 extends everywhere else. That extends into the media. The media is basically the propaganda arm. The corporate press is basically the propaganda arm of the state. Look at what look at how they're treating the Biden administration right now. Yep. Uh, Brian Stelter just recently had Jen. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Pasaki. Is, yeah. is it Saki? Okay. And literally every time, every question was or like, "Let's look at how Biden is being treated by the press, Mr. President. Did, how, what kind of ice cream did you get?" Or the way they approach the, the the border issue, and they'll act like Kamala was pressed about what's going on because he asked, you know, why didn't you go to the border? And then she replies, Oh, we went to Guatemala or whatever. And he doesn't he doesn't really keep on going with it. I don't remember even who was so,
1: interviewing her. So there's this, um, so there's this book. You might have heard of it. It's called 1984. It's by this oh. guy, George George Orwell or Wheel. Um, no, um, and there was a part there it's early in the book and I've I've looked up the quote before and I can't I can't think of it right now, but there's this early moment in the book where where our protagonist is like walking in the street and it's all about how we're at war with the West. And you know, when we talked, when I talked on your show, I said that you're you're victim of you, you have a, a specific pathogen. It's a it's a mind virus, and it's and it's called having a memory. Yeah. Right. And there's a lot of us that have memories, more so than you might think. But there was this moment in in 1984 where they were talking about we're at war with the West. And then the next day they were at war with the East. But of course we've always been at war with the East and we've always been at peace with the West. And, you know, you're, you're the main character. and No, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but, and the main character is like, but wait, just yesterday, I know that we were at war with the West and, but, (laughs) uh, but everybody around me is saying we're at war with the East. Mm -hmm. And that idea stuck with me, you know, as a 16 year old or however, however old I was when I read that book for the first time. And it and I never really experienced it until well, basically until Trump was elected because I watched. And and then really, again, is the way and after Biden was elected, because you watched the switch and this switch always existed when it went from a Democrat to a Republican president like this existed under Bush. I was just rewatching the TV show Scrubs. I don't know if you ever. I don't know if you ever watched it. I don't know. The, I know the show, but I haven't. Watched but it. so it was a comedy, and so there was an episode. Then, but it was on the air in 2006 when we invaded Iraq, and so they had an Iraq War episode. And this is a corporate. This is a corporate show, right? This is ABC putting it out, and there are people talking like Scott. There are characters talking like Scott Horton on the show, mm-hmm. right? They're making the same points about American hegemony and and our imperial power on a sitcom on ABC in 2006. Right. So that just, that to me exemplified how much the Overton window has actually shrunk. Mm -hmm. And what's, what really, what really, what really is different is you and I and everybody else who's trying to be a creator right now can actually create these new networks of sense making, as I like to call it, to actually bring context to, um, to the things that we see in our lives, right? And to the events that we see going on around us. And, the best part, the best part about that is the way in which we can short circuit the, the, the established power. And this is actually just as powerful as getting into, getting into like the Chicago Tribune, for example, like I, I, there, maybe I should, maybe I should be trying to get published there, but Mm -hmm. there's this element of where, like, I'm not really interested in that anymore. And I don't know exactly where I was going with this, except to say, um, now I lost it, (laughs) but it's, um, the, 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 the accepted narratives that we have in our lives have changed. And, oh, that, sorry, this is the point. My apologies is the, is the way is watching that press switch. And we've seen that switch back to Biden to where it's almost, if you've been paying attention, it's, it's comical, right? It's a freaking farce, the way that, the way that they'll interact. And, but then there are people who are like, yeah, of course, what are you talking about? This is the way, this is the way it should be because now things are normal. You know, we have the, we have the presidential equivalent of a clip show in office where he's literally just playing the hits and marking time until marking in time until he is, it's impossible for him to do the job because what else are you going to do with that age? This isn't even like a specific comments or a medical comments. I'm not qualified to make that. This is just the basic observation that the dude is almost 80. And no matter how, how, um, how healthy a person you are, how good you keep yourself, the neurotropics you use, there is some cognitive decline that is inevitable at that age to where you can't expect them to be anything more than the dribbling figurehead that answers what kind of ice cream he got and calls an 11 year old girl, such a 19 year old young lady crossing oh, her legs.
0: Goodness.
1: This is the president of the United States people, but I'm supposed to be upset about the fact that, you know, the lie of good people on both sides. Like- yeah.
0: <laughs> and the headlines, the headlines are that like, you could look at the clips from, and whenever trump was in office it's like oh, donald trump pointed at somebody or mm-hmm. like there were there was this picture of him and his family on top of the balcony this is yeah. something fascist dictators were popular for doing or we were, were, were known to do but then like you look
1: back and you have pictures of obama who's also technically- something that it's also something the pope does every single yeah, like, day it, in St. Makes- peter's square like <laughs> you you wave to the people but i wanted to i, I i'm curious a little bit about where where were you in 2016 in relation to larger political ideals and the general concept of liberty? And where are you in the moment? You know, there was this huge consternation about using the word censorship to, to yeah. talk about private companies because only a government can perform censorship. It's like, well, I think a better understanding would be to say that the government was the only institution in society capable of performing censorship in the past. Now we have these other companies that are able to do so.
0: Demused, Like, I thought it was hilarious when Trump won i remember i remember like staying up and paying attention whenever oh actually i worked that night so i was i was up anyway uh, if i remember correctly and i remember when it happened and i remember how funny it was that hillary clinton lost because i knew i had a general idea of how bad the clintons are and how bad hillary was um or is she's not dead yet unfortunately oh you probably <laughs> should censor that yeah, yeah. Uh, um but you know I remember being amused that Trump had won and I didn't really have a whole lot of political development until 2018. And I discovered the band backwards, which is Eric July's band. If you're familiar with him, he's, he's, he's all over the place. He does YouTube videos. He talks Mm -hmm. about comics. He talks about games and, and, uh, and libertarianism. He's on the blaze and everything. So he's all over the place. So people have met, people have found out about him from various avenues that he's involved in. Um, I discovered him through his music, his band backwards. Uh, and after like discovering, looking at the backwards and finding out they're like quote unquote, anarcho-capitalist. And I was like, what the hell is that? And I looked into it and Mm -hmm. discovered Rothbard, discovered Tom Woods. Then I discovered them. Once you discover Tom Woods, that's it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know
0: what I mean? That's it. You, Mm -hmm. you, then, then you find out about Scott Horton, Bob Murphy, or literally, you know, the Mises Institute and everybody involved. So you find out about Mm -hmm. Austrian economics, you know, you find out about Scott Horton. So you find out about antiwar.com, uh, you know, and then so on and so forth. And that's it. Once you find Tom Woods, he is the gateway to literally everything that's good about libertarianism, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so that's that's where, that's where it really started me. Basically, I didn't really have a whole lot of development between 2016 and 2018. I just kind of thought everything was a joke uh, in a good way. Like, like God, oh, this is silly and it's amusing. Um, but, you know, after that, I'm, I've, I'm still not as politically informed as a lot of people are. Uh, but I've been I've been on a deep dive into libertarianism and economics since basically discovering it in 2018.
1: Hmm. That's interesting, and that's a pretty that's a pretty quick progression too. Oh yeah, then yeah. which I think that's I think that's a little indicative of the times. And I know Malice Malice was the first person I heard made this point succinctly. Um, I think Peter Jordan Peterson had developed it elsewhere, but not as but it was it's an it's inevitable that in an online environment where you can keep arguing things to their logical conclusions that we would see an expansion in how quickly people become radicalized. And I would say from my perspective, I was, I don't know if less radical is the term I'd use, but I would certainly say that I'm more radical now than I was five or six years ago in like in 2016 and before. And I think there were these, I think, I think, you know, it's a sign of the times as it were, because we're really witnessing, I think we're, we're witnessing the final, the final overtures of this, of this crop of elites, if you will, we're, we're in the death throes it's it, but it's a very large and complicated thing that they've built. So it's, it, it should be expected that it won't fall as quickly as people want, nor will it look the way people think, think, think it, it should look.
0: Yeah. It's funny. Like whenever I, I've been thinking about this, I don't know how to put it into words. Uh, I've been trying to like write something down about it, but I don't know how to put it into words on a oh, page. This is the
1: show for it. Let's do it. Yeah.
0: Like whenever you, these people are not used to being resisted. Like they're not used to being, not getting their way. Like the elites are not used to people saying, no, I'm not going to do that. That's why there's so much disbelief whenever people are like, no, I'm not taking, I don't want to say the V word. Cause I don't know how censorship works, but you know, I'm not taking the COVID thing. Uh uh, I'm not gonna wear the mask, I'm not gonna do it. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna listen to you and and keep my business closed. They cannot believe it. Like, how could you not listen to me? I know what's best. I'm the benevolent leader. Um, so and and what happens whenever somebody resists in that way is they get branded something that's too far fringe. They get they get branded like a sociopath or you'll get called a, a racist, which racist has kind of lost its meaning. They've just been calling people white supremacists. And I don't mean that for the COVID stuff. I just mean like whenever mm-hmm. you resist the cathedral in any way, they'll call you something that's, they'll just start throwing shit at you. They'll start calling you things that are untrue. That's not the sign of somebody who thinks that they're in control. This right. is somebody that's realizing they're
1: losing their grip on the wheel and they really got to do something to get that back. Um, There's a great and- analogy of, for this of idea of like the fighter right somebody who is it's 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 understood you know if you're somebody who's trained to fight and um if you're somebody who's trained to fight and you know how to defend yourself you're far less likely to be aggressive in a situation and in fact in in my understanding is if you have any kind of martial arts training or any kind of training as a boxer or, or mma fighter you're discouraged from from using the power that you have in any in any sense in every sense of that word because you're so you're at a level above people now it might be a difficult idea to accept, but let's, let's, for the sake of argument, assume that somebody has to be in charge of something. Let's forget what form that takes, because even in, you know, a company has to have some, somebody in charge of something or nothing gets done. Um, so it doesn't have to be it was a, a precise government government relationship. If somebody has to, and this is, this has always been my point, um, to try and bring people into the libertarian window, as it were, it's like, okay, let's, let's take that for granted. Like the necessity of a leader, I think is something that's inescapable. And I also think the veneration of the warrior is inescapable too. Um, so like, but, but let's stay on the necessity of the leader, how that leader looks is something open to debate and open to questioning, or at the very least it can't in that it can be questioned. It should be questioned. And what I think what we're seeing now is the fact that people are, are questioning it. And in fact, you have 330 million people here in the United States, because that's where it's most localized, right? We see this happening in other parts of the world, but it just doesn't have the same pop as it does here in the United States. Um, And we're seeing that happen. And we're seeing, you know, people like you and me who are just normal people, right? We're not a part of the intelligentsia. We don't work in some educational system, having a pretty high level conversation. I mean, I've certainly listened to dumber conversations in a college classroom, Right. I mean, like this, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, this, this is a pretty high level conversation that we're having. Our listeners are going to gain something from it and we can do all of this because of, be, because of the level of technological advancement we have. And I see these people losing the control and, you know, I've really been thinking lately about the, the thin blue line flag, you know, and people in our space mm-hmm. obviously don't like it for, for good reason. And it's been as I, cause I, you know, I, I travel around a little bit, And when I go to, when I go to places and it's, and I think about the fact that five years ago, you would have seen American flags in all of these places. Now you see people flying the thin blue line flag, right? You see people flying the thin blue line flag and you see people putting those love is love, stupid, um, uh, yard signs in their front yard. You know, in this house, we believe love is love, you know, good people, but science is real, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Oh God. I saw that on a bumper sticker very recently. I don't see this as, and I think what I think a lot of people have lost their faith in the system as well. Right. Which shakes them to their core. I, for whatever reason, I don't see this as a downside. I see this as all very positive, but the conclusion that I draw from this is it's already over. Like it's not really a question of about the, the thin blue line flag, You know, and people in our space Mm -hmm. obviously don't like it for, for good reason. And it's been, as I, cause I, you know, I, I travel around a little bit and when I go to, when I go to places and it's, and I think about the fact that five years ago, you would have seen American flags in all of these places. Now you see people flying the thin blue line flag, right? You see people flying the thin blue line flag and you see people putting those love is love, stupid, um, uh, yard signs in their front yard. You know, in this house, we believe love is love, you know, good people, science is real, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, oh god. I saw that They're, on a bumper sticker very recently. Based on the tech based on the technology that we have and based on the ed- education that people have received and the cultural and, and the cultural ideas that have been instilled as it relates to authority is we will just effectively become a European socialist state. And that looks different yeah. in the 21st century than it did in the 20th century, but without without the without the liberty in the in the gap, I don't I don't quite know where else we can go as as a country and maybe that's okay. And maybe some of that's inevitable. In which case, then the question I think becomes: How do we liberty people make sure that we can still achieve the freedom that we want in our times? And we don't have the luxury of doing it in a world where the Soviet Union has just fallen, and there's you know there's this hope for an end to or, you know a change to the world order. That didn't happen. We're now in the midst of the war on terror. I think we're starting to see diminishing returns. But look what's happening now. We're now we're going to start we're going to start waging war on even more abstractions than we already have been. Cause we're, we fight a war on poverty. We fight wars on, um, we fight wars against, you know, racism and hate, and these are all abstractions, which means by their nature, they are sp- ephemeral. They don't exist, which is to say that they can <laughs> never, which is to say they can never be defeated because they're yeah. ideas. So you can always find it somewhere. And now we're going to do that with viruses. It's, it, there's, it's, so we're seeing, we're watching the, we're watching the machinations switch now. And if I can point people in a direction, it's to say okay how do we how do we make sure we're in the right positions to where people can actually gain real utility whether it's a funny joke or whether it's a more whether it's something you know practical for your life you know something to do with mindset or something to do with a broader with like broader concepts like philosophy like economics what do you what do you think about that
0: well i think you make a good, you make a good point about people starting to understand that things are just i I thought about this the other day and i'm like how much farther can the U S government take what they've got going on? How much farther can they go with it? Cause they've, the United States government has been in the red for a better part of the century, if not the whole century, like financially. So bankrupt isn't even the right term. It's beyond bankrupt, right? It's beyond like by every metric we look at, it should have been Soviet style collapse right yeah. now. It's, 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 it's been, it's been on borrowed time for a century. So how much longer can that last? And maybe what like, maybe the collapse isn't what, I think that the way the technology works and the way that everything is so more developed now than it was uh, before back in the 90s when the Soviet Union kind of fell, you make a good point about that. Like, that's, that's kind of holding together things and keeping people from starving to death for one and keeping things from going sideways like they did in the Soviet Union when it did kind of ultimately fall apart. But maybe we're in the process of it falling apart right now, and there's no use in even, you make a great point, there's no use in even trying to bother saving it. Like the, and what you need to be able to convey to these people in Portland, and to people in Alabama, and to people in you know, so- SoCal, and to people in upstate New York, and in and, and urban New York, as liberty-minded people, what we could tell them is, you see this, like what we have over here in Alabama should not affect what you have over here in Orlando. Should not affect what you have over there in in uh, in Portland, Oregon. Should not affect what you have over there in SoCal, San Diego. Whatever, pick a city. So I think that decentralization is the logical conclusion, uh, and that's like I think that's the best road ahead, and the best way to achieve that is to show people, and just logically explain to them, like, look, or it, it doesn't have to be logical. You can make an appeal to emotion. You want those rednecks in Alabama to be able to stop gay marriage in California, like do what you got to do as a libertarian and just let them know. Or if you're, if you're the opposite, if you're a libertarian and you want to appeal to people that are in Texas, you say you want to let those commies in California, be able to affect gun legislation in Texas. Of course you don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the logical conclusion to that is much more federalism, much more decentralization uh, and a much smaller federal government, a much less, you know, uh, I was going to say less strong, but that's such a stupid
1: way to say it. <laughs> you know what our solution doesn't have, though? What's that? Anger. That's true. It doesn't have anger. And I've been really thinking about this lately. And just just witnessing how people communicate with each other and how people – there is – um one thing I like about the broader liberty space is kind of the <clears> – <throat> like, people – we'll talk about serious stuff, but there's not – the anger is saved for its rightful place, right? Like you get angry about the genocide in Yemen, you get angry about the fact that thousands of American men and women have died unnecessarily in a war for plunder and oil and, and, and petty control over things like land. Um, you, you get angry about those things, but we don't see the way in which, but I, what I don't see is how we can use anger to push people towards decentralization because because people would rather be, you know, think about a marriage. How many people would rather stay in a miserable marriage than get out and be happier because this is what they know, right? What that's they right, know is yeah. the miserable marriage. Now, I'm not advocating for people to stay in a miserable marriage, but that's kind of my point is when you're inside of a relationship like that, you can't get your you can't get outside of it, right? You don't actually understand the way your behavior is being controlled. And Again, going back to it, we see this we see this displayed very easily in the way that the corporate press pushes the anger button on people as much as they can. And in every opportunity that they can to where, you know, I'm catching up with somebody that I haven't seen in three years and they want to start talking to me about election, about about the election F word. (laughs) You know, like they want to start talking to me about irregularities in the election process. It's like, dude, how's it going, man? Tell me other things about your life. It's totally fine if you want to get into this, but then we need to have the conversation in an appropriate way, not in like just getting super upset about everything and saying like, oh, well, we should just shoot the Democrats. (laughs) Yeah, that's not a great idea. We don't want to be thinking like that because there's no solutions there. And bringing it back to the marriage analogy is there is this moment, I think, if you talk to people who get divorced, where it's like there was time where we both knew it was over. And I I think maybe we as the children (laughs) <laughs> of uh we we as the outcast children here in the liberty movement of both the of you know because we li- are unless you came from a libertarian household we both came to this from a different from you know more of a traditional republican or democratic background but like we're just sitting here being like you guys aren't getting along at all like yeah. i don't i don't see how it can't be better but there is what i one thing that i have i've i've, I've had to contend with is the fact that it doesn't quite matter, does it, if if it's a logical solution because people aren't nope. interested in the logic. They're only in, interested in the logic as it as it reasserts their emotional control and emotional stability that they have that they that they um uh project on a situation.
0: Yeah, if people were able to be reached that logically, then everybody would know why the Federal Reserve is bad. And everybody would know yeah. why, why like decentralization and secession is good and not, not
1: slavery, you know, <laughs> or, you know, or neo-confederate or whatever they call right, it, you know. Right. Well, and it's, but it's, so, it's yeah, as, as, I'm, as um, I'm fond of saying, if, 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 if it was a matter of us putting the right words in the appropriate order, everything would have been solved already. That's, that's right. That's, it's already that's, happened that's a hundred times I'm over. Skeptic. Yeah. 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 It's, it's,
0: that's, that's been done plenty of times. Every, any book by Rothbard, any book by any great Austrian economist, uh, any book by, you know, even David Friedman, whatever, like all that it's been done and done and done hundreds of times over. And it hasn't done anything. Not that it hasn't done anything, but
1: well, if you, go, if you guys go listen to the bonus episode I put out, I think two weeks ago, I was like, oh, let me read some William James. Cause I talked about it. It's pragmatism. It's an interesting school of thought that I think people should oh. learn more about. Um, and I'm like, oh, and I'm, I'm reading it. And I'm like, huh. He is literally making the point here that some of what we consider to be philosophy or like these deeply held beliefs are just a result of our psychological temperament. Right. And this Hmm. is a dude lecturing about this at the turn of the century, like in the early, in the late 1800s. And Jordan Peterson is saying the same thing in 20, you know, 2018 and like going on a, going on a global tour to talk about these exact same ideas. And I'm just, and I was, it's like, there is nothing new under the sun. It really is the case that we're looking, we're just constantly trying to uncover and rediscover a way of living and a way of moving forward. And I see that as, I see that as like, as the adventure. I don't, I, what's, what's interesting to me when I interact with people who are more in, who are more plugged into the main paradigm, right? Like they're still in the matrix as it were. What's interesting to me when I listen to them is, and tell me if you've experienced this as well, the, the, like it's the fatalism, right? It's this idea that it's all over And so it's either time for us, you know, if you're on the right to stand up and fight and take back what was ours, even though it was never yours to begin with, Hmm. or on the left, it's why we need to basically just let the government do what it's going to do, which is marginalize any sort of any, any kind of right wing, you know, which right. And by right in this context, we mean anything that's not leftist, any kind of dissident right wing or left wing voice, because, you know, I guess you could, you could probably consider Glenn Greenwald right wing. In a certain in, in a certain context now, given how he's given how he's operating with um with the his with, with with the corporate press and how they're treating him, and so yeah. that that's basic that's basically where it seems people who are plugged into the um to the corporate uh to the corporate matrix where they're at. What do you do you find that as well in kind of your conversations, or do you see something different?
0: Well, I don't even know. Like at a certain point, you made a just by the fact that you said glenn greenwald could be considered right wing they think they consider some people definitely do consider him right wing and he's not he's like he's, he's like a democratic socialist he's
1: he's one of the best anti-war leftists but that well, he, just he called tucker a socialist like a couple of months ago which again going back to something we talked about there the beginning this is why i think this is why i'm trying to bring to the this idea to the fore of like the the paradox of identity Right he is called this... Tucker Carlson a socialist? Yeah. He said that he would he would consider Tucker Carlson a socialist. And okay, concepts. I didn't know I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I don't I, I don't remember the specific context around it. But but I mean, you know, Tucker advocates for big government policies. Yeah, he does at times. So and like trade so, and, protectionism. And, and, and... Right. And and Glenn Greenwald incorporates in his idea of socialism. Um, I, I might be reading a little bit into him, but I don't think I am. And his conception of socialism has a lot, probably has a lot to do given the con the context of him. Of, you know, who his husband is and his husband being like an openly gay elected member of, co- of the socialist party. it I can make an inference that liberation theory has something to do with Glenn Greenwald's conception of socialism. And uh, which is to say in that you are against the elites, you, you're almost by de- kind of like the way people say, well, I'm a libertarian because libertarian meant socialist 150 years ago. Okay. It's, it's, <laughs> but this is, but this is what I mean when I, when I'm trying to drive at this paradoxical elements of this thing that we call identity which in turn is this thing we're constantly arguing over, right? Like, yeah. is this liberalism? Is, is this capitalism? Is this socialism? Is this fascism? What are these, like, these words, these labels and how they're used, right? And what I try to point out in my, in my work is how they're used as like social control elements, right? So the degree mm-hmm. to which racism is the most consistent, most persistent and consistent method of social control in the United States of America. We see the same thing demonstrated in feminist movements as well. The egalitarian delusion Is a consequence of pushing this on people as a method of social control. Because as we know, if you're, if they're, if you're fighting, if you're plugged into the corporate matrix, you're going to be fighting with the other people plugged into the corporate matrix. Those of us in the liberty space, we're like, we're like circling above like aliens from above, wondering why the hell the people are banging each other with sticks.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Right.
1: Like, because banging each other with sticks for the glory of their masters. And it's, um, I don't know. It's a tough, it's a tough position. We find ourselves in, but do you see that at all? Like with P, with how, with how like more everyday people in your life that you interact with, talk about things? Not, not, not really, not a whole lot. Uh, I, a good. lot of my people are more apolitical
0: uh, and, and kind of gray, you know what I mean? Like they're not really keeping up with the news. They just do what they can and live their life. So not in my personal life, but I mean, I, you see it. I mean, online is one thing because you can see everything online. Uh, And online people act in a way that they wouldn't act in person, but you see that a lot online. uh, Is what I was going to say. Um, But yeah, I don't know what what I was going to say earlier was, I feel like you have to kind of, you have to be careful with labels, but at a certain point, some things become so blurry. It may not even be worth worrying about anymore. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I think we're past left and right right now because who cares like you know what I mean? Like we know, you and I know, but if I were to tell somebody like I didn't, I didn't even know that uh, he called Glenn Greenwald called Tucker Carlson a socialist, I'm gonna have to see what he means by that or if, if he's expounded upon it. I don't know if he has a substack. Um, but why does it matter? Like technically speaking, Joe Biden is on the right politically. Not like he's not far to the right, he's like center right, kind of a neoliberal, neoconservative kind of centrist barely on the right. Okay. If anything, I wouldn't consider him to be like a leftist. I wouldn't consider him to be like a progressive. You know what I mean? He's
1: just. Well, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, this is an interesting because I think, so are you using more of our Cartesian plane where you have the X and the Y axis or is this much. more of a number line where you only have, where it only, you know, operates or, along one dimension? I would say the, 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 the two axes. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, so I, I see your point of him being more on the right, what I would offer as a friendly amendment would be that it's, it's in that it's a centrist position. Yeah. So he's sen- within yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. So he's okay. For sure. Cause center, there, right. Well, be, and, and I, I, I quibble because there is, um, well, given the, given the political party that he's operated within, Right. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, oh, well, well, Hillary Clinton is, a is, is actually on the right. You know, she's not a leftist. Well, that's like, that's, that's rather convenient. You know, this is, that's um, true. This is, and this is just my, this is my personal, my personal view. And I think, I think it's worth, I think it's worth expounding on because there's this element of, um, this is, uh, what was the piece called? This is one, I, this is written at in I've written this out, but like, basically, you know, if there's just a left and a right perspective as, as, as a, as a perspective, like if you're a, if you're a hardcore socialist, yeah, Hillary Clinton is to your right. Mm-hmm. But also, so is Ron Paul, and so is Glenn Greenwald, and so is it's so it's like this left and right. And if it's only two boxes, it doesn't. I don't think it's that useful. It's only useful in like the political world where there's a where there's a clear winner and a loser. So I can I can leave that to the side for a second just to point out that that's why I like the like authoritarian libertarian split. However you want to do it, where it's that Cartesian, where we can actually map people. Mm-hmm. because I look at left and right as being um, at least, well, it, it, there's the difference of like the elite and the people like, and then like people broadly speaking, but um, there's an element of there's an element of personality to it. So, you know, somebody who's just more open, who has more openness might be by definition a little bit on the left, yeah. right? Whereas somebody who's more closed off or disagreeable might be a little bit more on the right. I would agree with you in part that it shouldn't matter the difference between left and right. And yet haven't you noticed that left and right seem to be the differences that bring the most controversy and what is an admittedly small space inside of Twitter?
0: Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Uh, And, and it gets thrown around it in my, a lot of times people get too stuck on it is what I was getting at. Ultimately. Like if, if you're, I don't care who's in charge right now, they're bombing people. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like they're not stopping it. They're not stopping it. George Bush did it. Obama did it. Trump didn't stop it. He kept doing it. You know, and Bi- Biden is keeping on doing it.
1: They're probably going to I predict they're going to be getting involved in new wars uh, yeah. under Biden. Well, He's there been are, con- hawk's uh, career. you know, Raytheon and other I don't know if Raytheon specifically, but defense contractors are scheduled through 2023. Yeah, So to, to be in Afghanistan, to be deployed to Afghanistan. And
0: it, <laughs> like at, who cares if they're left or right is what the point I was making, like they're, okay. they're killing people. Mm-hmm. And who cares if they're left or right? They just printed $6 trillion and the value of our dollar is about the plummet. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, I could give a damn if, 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 if Mises or uh, Kropotkin would have liked it more, like, you know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so at a certain point it's just the establishment versus everybody else. And that's the way we have to look at it. I and mean, you could, it's perfectly acceptable to be friends with people, or I, I mean friends as in allies, not like friends in your personal life, but allies of people who are on the left, who are good on issues and who are on the right, who are good on issues. But for some reason, a lot of people have a lot of trouble with that. And uh, I think that's kind of what you were, it sounds like this is kind of the point you were making. Yeah. You get stuck on the fact that uh, you know, if Rand Paul is good about an issue or like Ron DeSantis has been good about uh, the COVID stuff. I, I, a lot of people rather live in Florida than, than in New York. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. But he he's on the right. So you can't, you know, you can't be friendly with him if you're on the left. If in nice old free Florida, you'd rather stick in Newsom's California where he's more politically aligned with you, and it's just stupid. At a certain point, like, who cares? What's better for you and what's better for the what's better for the people? You know.
1: Well, and what's best from the libertarian perspective is maximizing liberty. That's right. And we see, and we, and to the point is, we see this, we see this happen in libertarian messaging as it relates to gay rights um, as it relates to uh, marijuana legalization and drug decriminalization, broadly speaking. What do what do the what do LP types? And I guess, you know, I'm technically an LP type now. But, um, you know, what, what do the, the broader LP beltway types say to this? And it's a very good argument, which is, well, libertarians were right on this all the time and good in the sense that like it, it technically like the form of it is the form of it is fair right? Like they're, they're just adopting a libertarian position and okay. So are libertarians supposed to take political power themselves or influence political power is kind of like pushing in one direction from another or one direction or another without being in the spotlight. Why do, why do we get to celebrate? And this is, and this is again, but then we're back at those left, right issue, which you and I might, wouldn't, we don't, we're not, again, we're not interested in this. And yet this is what's keep, this is what we keep insisting upon. Why is it that we're supposed to accept that the Supreme court, it made the right decision, in Obergefell v. Hodges, effectively legalizing gay marriage across the United States. But we're not supposed to think that Ron DeSantis banning COVID passports, refusing to let, um, refusing to let cruises up, uh, institute a COVID vaccine system. Which that that's, I'm I'm in Florida right now. It's like a huge thing. A lot of people were talking about it. That's a huge accomplishment for the protection of any kind of privacy or the idea of civil liberties is to mm-hmm. say like, hey, no, you you're not, you don't have to have proof of vaccination now to get on these cruises. Not because people are going to get sick and spread a virus, but because people have the cho- people should have the choice to their own autonomy, right? Mm-hmm. This is the this is the effective Western impulse. And again, why why I do think this is the crumbling of the elites that we see, because they can't they can't give any pretense to the ideas of the civilization that they suck the marrow out of every single day. Right. And they're decrepit in their decrepit state as these old gargoyles in Washington, D.C., and they just basically take Western civilization and they shove us, they shove a straw into the femur and they just suck out the marrow (laughs) of this beautiful institution, this literal, this beacon in humanity's existence of uh, and and it's and and I think at the core of that is this impulse towards freedom, if not always being recognized but what do we but what do we see in effect what we see in effect is well if you're pra- well, we can't praise rand paul because he's a republican yeah rand paul has done uh, listen fine you can bash on him all you want he's actually at the table he's actually at the seat of power and he's operating in a way and he's been, i mean him him saying that he's not going to get his pokes him saying that uh, because of the natural immunity that he has is about as brave of a stance as anybody has taken in the 20 in 2021 America. I don't see how you, I mean, he is putting a literal target on his back and the man has already been assaulted, but to the messaging of some people within the libertarian space, I'm supposed to not say anything, or I'm just supposed to remember the fact that he's a Republican, which means he's my enemy. Yeah. I And, and maybe this means I'm a bad political operative and that's fine. I can't get behind that. I'm far more, I'm far more interested in promoting liberty. And when I see it happening in consequence, I can't pretend I don't suffer under an egalitarian delusion. So I don't Mm -hmm. get, I don't, I don't get the peace of mind that comes from, well, I'm not going to praise Ron DeSantis because he's not perfect. No, I have to say, look, Ron DeSantis is doing something and it's better than what other people have done. And we should take a look at that. And if anything, try to gain, try to try to gain favor, try to curry favor and try to operate and, And the LP should absolutely still be organizing in Florida. Should they run a, should they run a uh, gubernatorial campaign against DeSantis? I think that's a debatable point. (laughs) And, Mm. you know, and it's also a question of how do you, how do you actually build a movement and where can, where can change most be affected? But again, we see this going one way and it, and it really comes down to, and, and maybe somebody's listening to this, who's, who's one of our detractors, you know, and it's like, okay, but Hey dude, we're willing to work with anybody here. As long as we all recognize that we're against. the 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 current power centers, but these people seem more interested in virtue signaling, as it were, than they do with than they do. And and again, going back to the initial question, and this is maybe something we can't answer, is do they understand the part that they're playing in this, or are they the hero, in their minds?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I and and it bothers me a lot whenever you have these people that are criticized. They'll criticize Desantis or criticize a libertarian for praising Desantis for what he's done, uh, which, in my opinion, have been better outcomes for liberty just like you said that's what it's all about uh but these a lot of these same people will have no issue with you praising tulsi gabbard or some other like democrat people have
1: given me crap for praising tulsi in the past so it's like just just to draw the point out right it's like at least in this space both of us can see the benefits of them Mm -hmm. while also recognizing their detriments
0: yeah and i don't i think a lot of a lot of internet libertarians That don't do anything. They just want to be the most libertarian person on the internet. And I think it's just a matter of virtue signaling, virtue signaling, uh, the correct sense of the term, not the mainstream use that's been diluted now. Actual virtue signaling. Like I am the best libertarian. And the reason I know I'm the best is because I'm not saying anything good about any politician that's flawed in any way. Uh, And yeah, DeSantis is flawed. But I think he's by and by and large, the best governor uh, in Florida is probably the freest state right now, Uh, which isn't really saying a whole lot because it still probably isn't perfect, but that's fine. Like it's it's still what bothers me is I don't remember who I first heard say this, but people let the enemy be the the perfect be the enemy of the good. Right. Yeah, there's there's no reason to be such a purist that you can't recognize that some things are objectively better than others as far as. Uh, like liberty friendly outcomes Mm -hmm. so and and it's it's almost as if these people think that statism is statism period and there's it's only one it's not a spectrum it's only one like blob of statism and kim jong-un is the same as, as as ron paul (laughs)
1: yeah Yeah, and there are some and listen there are some anarchists or agorists who are going to make those kinds of positions i see that as reflective of temperament so there are just people who view the world in that way in that black and white sense and Mm -hmm. god bless them for it there there are things that they'll be very good at i don't know if categorizing human ideas is one of them if you if you tend to view things in that in that um in that easy as as that strict of a as that strict of a binary or you know like do
0: that you can always be right you can always be correct if you do it absolutely. That way. I think mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. They, 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 that's what I mean by they want to be the best libertarian. Like if you do that, you're always gonna be right. Oh, he's a statist. Well, yeah, of course, yeah, that's okay, but you don't recognize it. You, you get what I mean. You're always gonna be right if you do it that easy. No,
1: way. that is such a good point, dude. Because this is exactly what the woke does, right? Yeah. Ibram X. Kennedy's book is built around is built around. It's you know, it's it's an influence tactic. You basically turn things into a binary. You pit people against each other. Mm-hmm. So what Ibram X. Kennedy does. Is he says that, okay, it's either the, the, there isn't a spectrum here, it's a binary choice. You're either anti-racist, yeah. and if you're not an anti-racist, then you are a racist, right? As we all know that we, as we all know, the doomed saying, it is not enough for us to be passively not racist. We must be actively anti-racist. Cursed. <laughs> what I love, this is this is, and I, I use love in an interesting sense here, but I love this about humanity, is what you were just driving at with people falling victim to the no true scotsman fallacy yeah is exactly the same thing and and you know and a twitter persona is different than a podcast persona so for anybody who's out there in the space i'm not gonna you know like i i'm willing to i would i would assume everybody has until you show me otherwise i'm gonna assume there's more there's there's deeper levels to your thought right, right. so if uh, you put yeah. so if, <laughs> if you put something in a way on twitter that to me i'm like no this doesn't seem right like i had um Uh, Magnus, there was one thing that he put out and I'm like, I don't like this. And he's like, dude, I meant it this way. I'm like, okay, cool. Sorry. My bad. I really didn't mean to, you're cool, man. Didn't mean to, didn't mean to piss you off, but it, but it bugged me. It's putting in, it's putting everything into an either or construct. Mm -hmm. And there has to be, if we're going to, if you want to understand the world, you have to be willing to open up your surroundings a little bit, because then you can, you can actually see a more sophisticated model, right? A, A map is different than a GPS is different than you know, actually walking through the woods and knowing where your trails are, right? Like there's different levels to understanding in any given idea. And I think that's, that's the most important part. And so we have to steer, steer away from these things that basically turns everybody into an enemy or everybody into a friend on these categories. We have to be willing to set that aside or else there literally can't be a conversation. And without conversation, there's no civilization. Yeah. The whole,
0: go ahead. No, that was it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just the whole idea that um you see this a lot with libertarians for some reason i don't know why it is i think and i mean this i don't mean this in a malicious way at all but i think it's the fact that I'll, there's a large amount of like a large percentage of libertarians who are on the spectrum um mm-hmm. and they're not they don't really think about things in practical terms and so bishop described uh, agorism as autistic libertarianism Okay. Uh, which I think is the perfect way to describe it. Um, and the reason is like, if you're, you're just thinking about things in this one or two categories, and if you, hmm, how do I word this? Like, you'll see the only way to make any change is anti-political, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't think... I was in arguments with agorists recently on Twitter and it seems like what they actually advocate for is incredibly selfish from what I, from what it looks like. And it's that thing about them wanting to be right. Because I was asking, my question was, how do you get people out of prison for being for nonviolent drug offenses? If you're, if you're doing it strictly through agorism, like I don't see how you don't change laws and expunge Mm -hmm. people's records and get them out of prison by using bitcoin and 3d printing guns and growing your own food i don't see how that works yep you know and now their argument would be what i the, the answer that i got was we're playing the long game we're going to get to a point where
1: they don't have the resources to arrest people but it's like well that's not what i'm asking for yeah that's not and that's what, like again they're, they're. and that doesn't say anything to the guy serving 10 years right now for possession
0: that's exactly right and i i made a point to this guy like i just i found an article of some uh 15,000 marijuana uh, crime or marijuana convictions were pardoned in Birmingham, Alabama, in April of this past year. At least the, the article was from April of, uh, of 2021. Now, not all of them, probably most of them were not sitting in prison. Most of them was on their record. So it was affecting their daily life because they wouldn't, you know, they had a harder time getting a job and all, all that, which is major, which is major. It's a big thing. Absolutely. But
1: well, well, it's this, and just let's belabor that point, right? Because this is, it's, I think it's awesome when people obtain a certain level of autonomy and freedom in their life to where they can make whatever decisions they want. Of course, it's beautiful. It's what I aspire to have for myself, right? Someday is like that. It's some, is some semblance of wealth and autonomy. That means I can choose to take a vacation when I want, or, you know, work from anywhere that I want and so on and so forth. Not by definition, not everybody can get to that sort of a position. And Where we, where I think anybody, especially if you're a creator, what you fall victim, what you can fall victim to, is believing that, you know, anything you can do, anybody can do, right? And 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 then also saying, well, since this worked for me, this is the only way everything can work. This sure. again goes back to that point that I was saying at the beginning of the show with personally, and this is this this upsets some people, and it's kind of by design. But why I never make a full commitment to anarchy or minarchy as a skeptic right? While I take why I take on the general term libertarian, and I don't bother to get more granular than that, is for precisely this reason of being more directional and not destinational agorism almost appears to be. This is not an insult to to, to Konkin or to any of the people who are trying to build this for themselves. More power to them, because anybody who's building is doing something right. It's only Mm -hmm. the people it's the people who are and, and you know, creating a meme that's funny is building something, right? And <laughs> and being and then being the hall monitor is tearing something down. So I'm not interested in people who are interested in tearing stuff down. I am interested in people who are willing to build something and to attempt to build something at the very least. But agorism has this destinational attitude to it, which, which is like, we already figured it out. Now we just got to get there. It's like, well, how about we take two steps back and we have a little humility and we say, we don't know how to figure this out. What are the tools available to us? Mm-hmm. And operating from that standpoint. And you know these are i think these are worthwhile conversations to be had within the broader sphere so if anybody's listening to this and wanna wants to hash out this particular point i'd be more than willing to
0: yeah but, and another uh, go ahead another issue i had was that a lot of the people were telling me like yeah if you you change the culture and you that changes the politics but that's not anti-political it's indirectly political like if your goal yeah. is still ultimately like a political change or a change in cuz look the fact of the matter is Ending the wars is a major political change. It's a major change in the political sphere, in the political realm. Mm-hmm. So if you want that to be changed, that's not anti-political. That's if, if your method is keeping the resources out of the hands of the state, that's
1: just indirectly political. You know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Exactly. And well, and now we're right. And now, where are we? Now we're at a paradox Paradox of identity. What the hell is <laughs> the word? Po- no, but seriously, what the hell does yeah. the word political mean in this construct, in this context? That's right. Right. Like, cause that's, it's like, what does political, does political mean? I can't talk about current events or does political mean that I can't be a Republican or a yeah, Democrat are, quote unquote
0: working within the system?
1: Like, what do you define as the system? Does that exactly. mean you can't,
0: you can't go to Walmart because they get subsidies. Does that mean you can't buy gas because you're paying gas taxes? Like, what does it, what does it mean? Yeah. And the uh, paradox,
1: and by the way, recognizing the paradox, isn't a solution in case, in case people are a little slow at home, <laughs> recognizing, seeing this paradox is like, okay, now I have to account for this in my conception of the world. And mm-hmm. it cha- and as a practical matter, this changes the way that you communicate, which is kind of my, one of my big things that I try to do is like communicate in the best way that I know how. I think that's all we can do <laughs> at the end of the day. But Nick, thanks for hanging out. I've been ha- We've gone a little long. I do appreciate it. Um, anything else on your mind that you wanted to go actually before, before we sign things off? If there is, feel free because I got no. nothing but time. Just
0: just to just to uh, just to let people know where they can find me is all yeah. I can yeah. say. Yeah, why don't just, you why don't you tell people yeah. where they
1: can find you? Uh,
0: anything I ever put out would be at individualistpodcast.com. Uh run the individualist podcast. And it's if you want to just go straight, it's on Spotify. It's on all the podcatchers that Anchor puts them out on, which is pretty much everything. It's on iTunes and all that. So uh, but anchor.fm slash nick dash ashley. Um, and my Twitter account is at Nick underscore individual. And I always have my latest episode pinned as the tweet on my profile. So anything, and I'm very active on Twitter. So if anybody wants to reach out to me, that's the best place to reach me. Cause I'm always on
1: Twitter. Yeah. And I appreciate you sending some uh, Twitter follows my way. That's Nick underscore individual or the individualist podcast.com. Did I get that right? Uh, individualist
0: podcast, No, yeah. no, though on the website
1: individualistpodcast.com. There we go. And you can find me over at beenawake.com writing content, doing live streams on Saturdays going forward and then great interviews like this as well as my weekly show. So, Nick, appreciate you hanging out and we'll have to do this again soon. Thank you very much, man. If you like what you heard today, Go to binawake.com to subscribe for future updates. My name is LB Muniz, and I am not one with
0: the woke.